0: A very happy Valentine's Day to everyone that did have someone to snuggle up with over the weekend. If you unfortunately didn't have anyone that was uh, you know, cuddling with you, watching a little Netflix, just hanging out, we do have a nice little break for you planned. We do have our regular 15-minute show to listen to right now. Chuck Zada and Mark Schofield here on a Monday, a holiday Monday for President's Day, actually. And Mark, despite the holiday, we continue to work. We continue to show up just to do our thing.
1: Yeah, we show up, we do our jobs. I thought you were gonna drop a Netflix and chill reference there.
0: No, I I don't Netflix and chill actually. I I have I got a sweating problem, man. I net if I get like a blanket going over me, man, it is it is brutal actually. I do not Netflix oh and chill.
1: Oh, that's that's a little too much information. I try to draft breakdown and chill, but that never works.
0: <laughs> that's honestly, if you can do that, man, that's that's pretty much the first sign of a keeper, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, somebody on the Twitter timeline—I forget who—but somebody said they've pulled that maneuver off, and whoever it is, the name's escaping me right now. But kudos to them. That that's an impressive move.
0: Yeah, if if you can do that, you really do have uh, kind of that perfect woman, I think. Uh, at least, you know, in my opinion. Hey, frankly, it's not worth much, but I'll say it anyways. Mark, uh, we do have uh, you know, something to talk about today, and that is we did see the list of NFL Combine invites come out last week, and as there is every year, there's a little controversy at the back end. Some people who uh, you know surprised with the invite, some people who unfortunately were snubbed and, and lacking an invite here.
1: Yeah, I mean, we see this every year. The list comes out, and you know, people you know dive into the list and they say, "Oh, these guys shouldn't be here." I mean, there are some guys that are more deserving, like players X, Y, and Z. And combine is just one of many steps in the process. Guys that didn't get invited, they'll get a chance at pro days to show what they can do. Guys that did get invited might not hear their name called. I mean, every year we have guys that make it to the combine that don't get drafted on draft day. So it's interesting, but gives us one thing to talk about, so we should dive in.
0: Yeah, and, and as you said, look, it's not the end of the road here, but when when you talk about a guy who got snubbed, who who who's really at the top of uh, your list in terms of someone who you believe should be there? I mean, uh, names.
1: the name that jumped out to most people, I think, at the start was Jay Coker, quarterback from Alabama, um, obviously helping Alabama win a national title. He was down under the Senior Bowl. Uh, people kind of expected he'd at least get a combine invite, but... He wasn't one of the players invited. There were 18 quarterbacks invited. Um, among them, Vernon Adams from Oregon, the FCS transfer from Eastern Washington to the Ducks, um, did some nice things during Shrine Game week that Jeff Risden told us about. So Coker was the first name I think that jumped out of me. What about you?
0: Well, the, the two that stood out to me, one was Jay Lee from Baylor. I thought, uh, right. you know, he's a guy that obviously we saw him down at the Senior Bowl, uh, and, and while you know he wasn't someone that stood out and you said, wow, this guy is, you know, a surefire, you know. First day or second day pick? You said okay. This, this kid can play, and I'd like to see how he ends up testing there. So he's a guy that I think you know I would have liked to see there. Uh, another guy that I know a lot of folks were talking about was Kevin Byard. Right. Uh, you know he's a guy, and you just look at the production just from that standpoint, and you say, look, this guy clearly can produce. this. The guy clearly has ability here. Let's see just what he can do in terms of uh, his testing compared to other prospects. And at least for me, and this is how I look at the testing in terms of what it means, is obviously we know that how fast you run a 40 in you know, spandex and, you know, an indoor environment where everything's climate controlled. We know it doesn't tell you that much about how good of a football player you are. But I view this almost it's it's like preparing for a test. And it lets you know, look, how seriously are these guys going to prepare for that test? It lets you see the amount of work that they will do in order to do whatever is necessary to bump their draft stock. And that's how I view this. And to not see a guy like this there. You just don't get that extra sense of, okay, how hard is he going to prepare for this? And that's, it's a little disappointing to me. Yeah.
1: I mean, another interesting aspect to this that doesn't get a lot of coverage are the regional combines that we already had one go down, down in Houston. And a guy that was pointed to to be one of the bigger combine snubs, Jatavius Brown, the Akron linebacker who had a great week in the uh, NFLPA uh, game, which is another sort of the lower level um, collegiate all-star games. Um, ran a four-four-seven forty, and again, linebackers not going to be tasked with running a straight line forty-yard dash too much, but that certainly got people's attention. So. You know, the combine that everybody knows, the one in Indianapolis, the main one, that gets all the headlines. But there are these regional combines where guys that get snubbed can show what you're talking about. They can show two scouts, two NFL teams look, they can get ready, they can take that test as well.
0: Yeah, it's, it's something just that you want to be able to see, and obviously the regional combines do give an additional window into uh, that pretest and pre-draft preparation there. I look at another one, and this is, you know, obviously I'm partial to kickers. I look at Ross Martin of Duke right. being uh, snubbed here. Does it doesn't make sense just kind of in general? And then when you look at some of the other specialists that ended up there, in particular, John Lunsford from Liberty, who... I have never met John. Uh, I, you know, I watched some of his tape, and you know, he, he doesn't have a bad, you know, overall motion there. But I look at the results, and I say, look, this is a guy who simply did not have an accurate leg uh, from forty to forty-nine yards. Was not capable of hitting fifty percent in that at that distance there. And I, I simply look there, and I wonder what exactly do NFL teams want to see. Who wants to talk to him in interviews there, just because? I don't see the production that warrants additional scrutiny. It doesn't make sense, especially when you have a guy like Martin who, at a cold and windy Senior Bowl practice session, you know, is drilling 60-yarders, 53-yarders. You sit there and you say, how is this not a kid that you want to talk to more?
1: Right. Yeah. I don't understand that either. And I mean, I think part of it is, and people need to understand how these combine invites go down. It's, they're s- sent out by National Football Scouting, which has about 22 NFL teams as members. And there are always whispers of all oh, teams kind of, w- you know, want to hide a player. They don't want them to get invited to the combine because they think they've got, you know, sort of a draft diamond type that, you know, maybe they'll try to not extend an invite, hope the player falls through the cracks and, you know, they'll be able to draft them. Maybe Martin's an example of that happening.
0: Yeah, it, it could be. I mean, obviously, look, with, if there's one thing that always happens during draft season, it is teams trying to get the drop on everyone else just by, you know, either whispering too strongly that they're looking at someone or trying to slow play it and pretend that they have no interest in someone. So there's no doubt that you get into, you know, this time of year and, Teams are just trying to play games with each other just to see if they can get an extra edge and just pick up a little extra value. It's a case of, you know, look, can I somehow get this guy who I want in the 3rd round to slide to the 4th round. You know, it it's you talk about those types of games. You're not going to pick up anything huge obviously because everyone's looking at the same prospect pool, but it's just can I wait an extra round if possible and pick up an extra need somewhere else. There's no doubt that you see that. Yeah, and I mean, we're getting into an anonymous
1: scout season where we're going to hear whispers all the time. I mean, you know, everybody wants to be first on a prospect including us. I mean, you know, we want to be. No, first I want to be. Guys. I want to
0: be second man. I don't want to be first. You don't want to be first. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Of course, no. I
1: do. Everybody wants to be first on a guy, but I mean, the main kind of story here is that don't believe everything you read, see, hear watch now until the draft is over because we are into that anonymous scout season where it's going to be, oh, you know, this scout says that Jared Goff won't last to the third pick or whatever. And then, you know, that sends rumor mills into motion. And it's really because, you know, a team wants to, hope you know, draft somebody else, but they're trying to get somebody to trade up or who knows what happens. But We're going to hear all sorts of stories from now until the time the draft is over. So I guess that's why it's fun.
0: Exactly. So you get all that talk that goes in there, and obviously that's going to be something that we're going to hopefully try to sort out the fact from fiction over the next couple months as we lead up to the draft here. Uh, Another topic I think that is going to be ripe for speculation, though, Mark, and this is more down your way, uh, you being uh, pretty close to the D.C. area.
1: I see where you're going.
0: Yeah, you see where I'm going. We're going to talk a little Supreme Court here on oh the boy. NFL on on the inside the pylon podcast.
1: How about that? I, I did say that we were going to rebrand. I I did put out a tweet. This is me doing it for the main account that we were going to rebrand as Inside the Bench for the next couple of months.
0: We we should. I mean, let's let's talk about this and and not obviously, look. I am not a Supreme Court scholar. I I I pretty much look. I could tell you Marbury versus Madison, that's about as far as I can get you at there this you go. point. Let's, it's a big one. It's a big one. I know. I, I follow all the big ones, obviously. It's it's what what I try to do. Let's let's talk though. We've got an open spot on the Supreme Court bench. And we do. my my question is if you could pick one either player, coach, executive, one person who is in any way involved with the NFL to fill that open spot, who do you go with?
1: I get two suggestions. Do you want both of them or do you want my first? Why I assume you're gonna Why don't you, you go with tip.
0: one and then I'll I'll come back with one after that?
1: Okay. I really want to get to both. Are you gonna make you gonna force me to pick one?
0: No, I'll be quick, man. I'm a kicker. We don't we don't okay. have much time. Right. We get three seconds and we're out.
1: First one, Bill Belichick.
0: You'd think that Bill Belichick would be a good Supreme Court justice. I think justice. he
1: would be a tremendous Supreme Court justice. A Wesleyan guy. I gotta stand up for my Wesleyan guy here. Number one. Number two, he's a guy that I think when presented with a question that he doesn't know the answer to, he will do everything he can to find the answer to that specific example, the Deflategate saga, when he spent, as he told us in that press conference, it was a, which was a masterful work, that press conference, how much time he spent examining the air pressure of footballs and the weather mechanisms behind air pressure in footballs dropping based upon atmospheric conditions. So you mean to tell me that guy's not going to get faced with a, you know, a case about pre- – Perhaps the commerce clause, and then dig his teeth into it and find out everything he can on it to make the best in, best informed decision.
0: Well, here here's the issue I have with Belichick is you put him and Clarence Thomas in a room together, and you pretty much end up with an area where sound goes to die. Those two are not you know you're not going to have a whole lot of conversation going on there. So this is true. You know, this is true. You got, I'm kind of looking for someone who's gonna. I want someone who's a little younger who's going to lead the court in. I think. Just a general positive direction here. And so, my first pick, if I were nominating someone from the NFL to the Supreme Court, I'm going Brandon Marshall. Oh, I'm going Brandon Marshall. Brandon Marshall, you've got a guy who you go back 10 years ago, and there's a lot of people that thought Brandon Marshall would be out of the NFL didn't have the temperament to be in the NFL, was going to talk his way out of the game, just end up, you know, being out of the game completely. You've got a guy who has turned his life around, is an advocate for people with mental illness now, and and generally I think someone who's thoughtful, who, you know, looks at both sides of issues, I think he would be outstanding on that Supreme Court.
1: That's a really good pick. And I mean, he's, you know, it seems like he's an extremely deep, thoughtful guy. I, I think that's a very good selection. I Plus, like that. Plus,
0: I also, I got to look at this in terms of age. You know, Belichick is what, in his mid-60s now? Yeah, With Marshall, true. With Marshall, I'm getting someone in his mid-30s. That's a much longer, you talk about length of career here. You know, that's what I'm looking for. I want a guy who's going to stick around for a while. That's, you know, that's key for me on the court. Okay. Who's, who's number two for you?
1: Okay. Well, assuming that I can't get Bill Belichick through his Senate confirmation hearing, and imagine his confirmation hearing. Yeah, it's probably, this is probably, I mean, it, you would just sit there and just say yes or no to pretty much every question. Um, okay. So my other choice, we extend the football world to the media world. I have, I think, someone who would make an incredible Supreme Court justice because one of the roles of justices, of course, is questioning during oral arguments. You want somebody, Anton Scalia, Justice Scalia was incredible. If you ever read transcripts of you know, oral arguments, he was precise with his questions. He was you know, a witty man as well. But somebody that I think has done a tremendous job in that arena of questioning a figure, Rachel Nichols. Okay.
0: Yep. I, okay. Um,
1: the, the press conference at last year's Super Bowl or around last year's Super Bowl when she pretty much flayed Goodell wide open was just masterful. And I'd love to see her questioning people from the bench.
0: So Rachel Nichols. Okay, so Rachel Nichols. So you got Bill Belichick and Rachel Nichols. Those are going yeah, to be your two. Those nominees. would be my two.
1: And you know, given the fact that I don't think I'm getting Belichick through a confirmation here, and it looks like I'm rolling with Rachel.
0: Okay, so you're going to roll with Rachel. I'm going to go. I'm going to go for my second one. I want someone cool under pressure. I'm going Adam Vinatieri because there is never a moment that's too big for him. And on the Supreme Court. Your name is going to be out there in the history books and you have to be sure that you are making the best decision possible. Adam Vinatieri, you've got nerves of steel, you've got two Super Bowl winning kicks, the snowball kick. That that is my number 2. So I'm putting up Brandon Marshall, uh, Brandon Marshall rather and Adam Vinatieri as my two nominees for the Supreme Court. I wonder what the Vegas odds would have
1: been on you picking a kicker, specifically Vinatieri, for this answer. One to two. Yeah,
0: probably. <laughs> Maybe I mean, even... It might have been worse than that. You might, They it, wouldn't have put odds on it. That it, would have been off the board. It, it would have been worse than even money. There's, yeah. there's no chance. So... Yeah. That's what we've got uh, in terms of who we're nominating to the Supreme Court. Uh, we do have our Twitter question of the day now, which I am just pulling up. Uh, came into our Twitter feed a little bit earlier. This came from Joey, who has the uh, what is it? The Twitter handle is that what we call the Twitter it? Twitter handle. I think that's what we call it. Okay, the Twitter handle. His Twitter handle is Joey A. Libro, and he says most underrated prospect in the 2016 class. Mark, what do you got?
1: That's a tough one. I mean, you know I'm probably going to go quarterback with this. And, you know, maybe it's recency bias. Maybe it's – he really is, I think, an underrated guy. I don't think he's going to be underrated for long. And that's Cardale Jones. I think, you know, there was a lot of hype around him last year. You know, that sort of magical run to the national championship. You know, he's kind of – you know, he struggled a little bit at times this season. You know, shared some time with JT Barrett, didn't play down the stretch. But I think when you look at his tools – as a quarterback, as an athlete, as a passer, somebody that can play with play speed, I think once teams start to give him another look, he'll probably rise up orange. But right now, I
0: think he's kind of flying under the radar. Okay. I'm going to go, in terms of, I think, most underrated draft prospect, I'm going to go Jeremy Cash from Duke. And okay. Cash is a guy, and look, we've been upfront about the fact that he is not great in coverage, it's not something he was asked to do a lot of. But Cash, for lack of a better term, is a football player. He produces on the field. He has a great sense of playing uh, close to the line and the the ways to attack a line of scrimmage and get through gaps to make plays there. Some team is going to find a place for him, and I have no doubt that he's going to find some role where he is going to be very productive. He's not a first-round pick, obviously, but you see a lot of guys now talking, well, he could slide towards the back of the second, early third, somewhere in that range. This is a kid who all he did through his entire time. And look, he was playing on some Duke teams that didn't give him, you know, a lot of uh, protection in front of him. He would see situations where, look, he's got you know multiple uh, blockers coming at him, and a situation where, look, he's got to split a double team, read where he's going, trying to make a play there. And anything he was asked to do near that line of scrimmage, he was able to do. He's kind of a tweener in that he doesn't quite have the size to be a linebacker. Not sure if you've got the frame to put the the weight on to get him into that position full-time. But he's a guy that I absolutely think people are starting to undervalue right now. Just because they say, look, he can't defend the pass enough. There is still a place in the NFL for someone with his ability at the line of scrimmage, both against the run and rushing the passer.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good call. And, you know, it's one of those things where don't overthink it. I mean, we look for traits, we look for guys that can do X, Y, and Z on a football field. Sometimes you just see a guy, you know he can play football. Don't overthink it. Let him play football for your team.
0: We're wrapped up for uh, the show, though. We are out of time for the day. We will be back tomorrow on Inside the Pile on the Quick Kicks podcast. Chuck Zod and Mark Schofield, we'll see you later.